0: I don't even have to put it in my pocket, I can just set it right here, because I'm not going anywhere. It's terrible. Ooh, someone folded my Bible. Well, as we've been doing on Sunday night, I've been trying to extend Sunday morning service to application a little bit more, and interaction, and I've been somewhat successful occasionally with interaction, somewhat not successful, because sometimes I just get going and... Make it a sermon, but Colossians chapter 2, I just want to get us started, and then we're going to consider and try to come up with some understanding our responsibilities one to another, and our faith, and the tending of the faith together. Colossians 2 gives us a good uh, development of the... uh, some facets of it, and then we're going to go back into Colossians. uh, Not Colossians, 1 Timothy, sorry. But let's look at uh, Colossians chapter 2, and uh, we'll start in verse 6. It says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, there's that the faith again, As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. And so as we have looked at the development of our battle plan. Can we call it that tonight? Our battle plan? We looked at a little bit of the motivation and the necessity this morning, and I think it's time we laid out a little bit more of a plan of attack. Instead of, as I talked about, I think one of the biggest problems this morning, as I talked about, I think one of the biggest problems is we have made the Christian life, in terms of the establishment and strengthening of our faith, a passive thing. That is, that's something that the pastor has to do to me. And while there is an aspect that Christ will and God will establish our hearts, so we shared at the last, we recognize that we have to take an active role. We have lots and lots of commands. And even here, we have in verse 6, that you have to receive Christ, you have to walk in him, be rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, Uh, and again, the connection to as you have been taught, and then abounding in it with thanksgiving. And so these are the positive elements. This is the layout, if you will, of the expectation on you. Now certainly the tucked in there is the, you have to be taught. And I'm not trying to relinquish that or diminish it. But I want us to get beyond that to recognize that the teaching isn't enough by itself. We teach, and then there should be an expectation that you apply that teaching effectively in your life, and that is your responsibility to make sure that that occurs. It is not ultimately up to me uh, or any other teacher, to your Sunday school teacher or your word of life coach. It's not really their responsibility. All right. So we try to put even on our children with their word of life quiet times. We try to put it on them. You need to do this during the week. And it's great if parents help, but ultimately it should be their active involvement. So the teaching happens, but I want you to notice that you receive Christ, you walk in Him, you're rooted, really built up in Him, established in the faith, and abounding in it with thanksgiving. So we have a whole series of commands, and I would contend that all of these commands can be wrapped up in Jude's word of contend earnestly for the faith. So we're just sort abound of in it. And then right tucked in here, of course, is the enemy, right? And we're going to try to get a... You cannot have a well-developed battle plan if you don't know your enemy. You understand, right? Because um, one enemy is attacked differently, than, dealt with differently than another enemy. And so anyone that's boxed, done any kind of fighting, done any kind of military strategy, um, even played chess, you have to know your enemy. And it really helps if you've played them before and you know how they play the game or the war, and then you know how to uh, address them. And so uh, we need to know our enemy, and he's going to list a different kind of enemy here. And and I really am trying to use a... literally dozens and dozens of scriptures I could draw from. I'm trying to draw from some that gave us a, the breadth of our opposition. So there's the world, there's false teachers, uh, there's the Judaizers, There were lot. there's the stuff within us, around us, outside of us, persecution, temptation was in one of those lists. Remember we read that, that... Uh, there's, there's temptation you have to deal with as well. That's coming from the evil one and your flesh, by and large, but also the world. So here, the enemy that Paul's going to pull out in verse 8 is uh, those that want to deceive you or trick you. And it's really, he says cheat you there in verse 8, uh, which is uh, literally um, make you prisoner of war. The word there is really what you would use for a prisoner of war. To cheat you, to take you prisoner uh, is literally the term, the Greek term being used there. So if you are captured as a spoil of war and you are a captured combatant, that's the word they would use for you. Uh, I don't know how we got cheat out of that, but that is the Greek word there. And so uh, they want to cheat you. They want to make you prisoner, their prisoner. And that's a facet that we don't often think of, that there are prisoners of war. Yes, when you have shipwrecked your faith, you become a POW in the hands of the enemy. And sometimes we have to go out and try to rescue those people, don't you, I think. And come up to those people who are captured in false teaching. And that's why, um, yes, sometimes I relegate them and say, you're a false teacher, And so I'm not going to try to engage you. But there are some who are caught in false teaching, and those are POWs. They need to be rescued. (laughs) And that's what Paul's writing here. He says, I don't want you to become a prisoner of the war. I don't want you to be cheated or taken captive by these false teachers. So we need to distinguish between false teachers and those that are caught in false teaching. And sometimes it's really hard to do. Why? Because false teachers tend to demand or require or solicit heavy loyalty to themselves. To such a degree, it's really hard to distinguish, well, is this the teacher or the teaching that you, you know, are you that, how committed are you to this? And uh, that's why I always try to start with, uh, are you in agreement with me that God's word is authoritative? because once we say okay God's word is authoritative well now we have a common basis but as soon as you start seeing and I have people do this they start quoting other people you know well Arthur Pink says this you know and Calvin said that and and they start quoting all these people as like that's outside of the realm of the agreed upon authority I don't I don't accept some of those men as authorities and so I'm not You know, and you do, and so there's going to be a problem. So Paul wants us to go and to examine those that are cheated, are taken captive, and realize that the best way to keep that from happening is to keep them from being caught at all. So preventative is the first thing. None of us want to leave a man behind. And we tend to do that sometimes theologically of, just cutting them off maybe a little too soon, earlier than we want to. And that's why we have had people in our church that weren't 100% with me on what I was teaching. Uh, You might say, well, why did you tolerate them? Well, they were listening. They came Sundays. They listened. They tolerated listening to me. Um, They didn't concur, and eventually they left because they really didn't believe what I was teaching. Um, And they followed some other teaching, some other man. And so, um, but, and even in our application for membership, we don't ask you to agree with everything we teach. Uh, we ask you not to be in opposition to it. There's a big difference, right, between those to say, um, I am 100% agree. Now, if you're going to be in a leadership role here in teaching, I would probably require that of you. But in terms of being here, uh, we want to have people preventively being given Scripture um, so that they aren't made captive to false teachings. Let's look at what, if you don't want to be a prisoner of war, here we go, beware lest anyone imprison you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. And so here comes the introduction I tried to talk about just very briefly this morning, did I do that just like Donald Trump? You guys weren't watching, were you? Um, sorry, I'm not going to do it again. You missed it. you got to pay attention. So, empty deceit, philosophy, the tradition of men, the basic principles of the world. We have this series. Now, does this mean that we are non-thinking in our faith? No. If anything, this demands that we be very active thinkers of our faith so that we aren't deceived. We are not asking you to put your theological or your mental head in the sand so that you aren't deceived by, don't listen to anyone else but me. I don't think you've ever heard me say that. I hope you've never heard me say that. Don't listen to anyone else but me. Um, When you come to me and say, I've read this, I'm watching this guy, And I've had people that didn't agree with my teaching say, oh, you should listen to this guy. So I go and listen to that guy. And I'm like, really? (laughs) Um, And then I give them my evaluation. Uh, But I don't condemn them for listening to other things, but recognize that the Bible says the end times, there's going to be lots of teachers that are going to tell you what you want to hear and not necessarily the truth. So they're going to multiply. Whereas truth givers are going to be Be smaller and smaller, I think, from what I can tell in Scripture. So you have philosophy, deceit, traditions, and the principles of the world being brought in. And remember, he's talking to, again, a church saying, This is what you have to be alert to. This is an enemy of your faith. So we're going to add that to our other enemy list. This is the enemy of your faith. They are bringing in philosophical. Uh, concepts built out of traditions, the traditions of men, not of God, and I'm not anti-traditional, we just want to make sure we get the right origin of those traditions and uh, that's a great study, and tr- that's why I think it's important we do church history studies so we understand where traditions come from, which ones are worth clinging to, which ones are worth taking or leaving it, and which ones are worth getting rid of completely. Okay, some are just kind of, oh, if you want to do that, it's okay. But realize that it's not really biblically mandated or expected. But others are damaging. And then there's, in addition to that, the basic principles of the world that are introduced as, Christ- and I call it Christianisms. They are Christianized and brought in, but they aren't Christian. They are the principles of the world introduced to us. And this is really what Paul warns Timothy about in the last days. Uh, when men will become lovers of themselves, both so proud, blasphemers all, and it goes through that list. He's not talking about the world. The world's always had those things. He said when these things start creeping in the church, you know that the end times, this is the perilous times, the enemy is going to come in and introduce world ideas, world philosophies, here it says the basic principles, worldly principles, and they're going to present it as though these are virtues from the Bible. Uh, The one example I keep giving you because it was so prevalent, especially at the turn of the millennium, um, late 90s, early aughts. um, They're not o's, they're aughts, by the way. It should have been aught 7, not 07. Any of you that were born, like John Roberts knew it was aught because back in Ought 9, 1909. Oh wait, you weren't here. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry. You see, a century ago it's aught. So it was ought seven, ought nine. Then this year they turned a, l- a number into a letter. O. O is not a number. O is a seven. Not is what you should have. Not. Back in in the early knots, um, That's N-A-U-G-H-T, okay, not N-O-T or K-N-O-T. Ours is a very confusing language. So in the early knots, there was a huge error that was brought into the church, Christianized, and taught extensively. And that was, you have to love yourself. Can't love anyone if you don't love yourself first. You have to love yourself. And they twisted scripture. Scripture says what? As thyself, because you already love yourself too much. You don't need to be taught that. But they twist that and you see, you have to love yourself first before you can love your neighbor. So let's learn how to love ourselves. Well, when I go to 1 Timothy 3, what's in the list of things that are perilous times brought into the church? Men will be lovers of themselves. It's right there. This is error. But let me tell you about it. I taught this in one church when I was on deput- or furlough Oh, and I had, you wouldn't believe how many people came up to me said, that is, you totally misrepresented our movement. I'm like, you have a movement? I says, it's a self-esteem movement. I says, no, what do you think esteem means? It says, you're supposed to esteem others better than yourself, the Bible says in Philippians. Uh, to, you know, in humility, esteem others better than yourself. I have it on my wall in my study. It's had it since I first was in the ministry. First thing I ever made for my office was that little thing, little hanger thing. Uh, But there it came. And you go right down through the list. I mean, what's the health-wealth gospel but lovers of money? Money. We live in an age where everything on that list has been brought into the church, Christianized, and we have manipulated scripture to make it say that. We have taken the basic principles of worldliness and tried to sanctify them, and the church has largely swallowed it, hook, line, and sinker, and entire congregations have been made POWs of the faith. They have lost the war. For their faith. They are shipwrecked, is one of the terms used for it. They are taken captive. They have been cheated of it, is the term they used here for it. Because they fell asleep. So I'm calling you, as Jude does, to, con- does to contend earnestly, which means you've got to have a battle plan, and to do that you need to know your enemy. And so here's a bunch of the enemy. philosophy. Empty deceit. Um, Just lie because you can. Uh, You don't have to have a motive, hardly. And traditions of men that come in and become traditions uh, that now become religious. And I've talked about some of those recently. When did praying to accept Christ ever become biblical? It's not there. It's a tradition of men. We believe to accept Christ. We don't pray to accept Christ. Prayer is the result, and now I have a relationship with God, so I'm going to speak to him in prayer. But I don't pray to establish that relationship. I have to believe. I have to confess. I have to declare. With my heart, I believe. With my mouth, confession is made. Romans 10. So there's lots of incursions of traditions that come in, and uh, even our tradition of how we do church. Um, I've had people that said, if you don't have a choir, you're not a church, and they don't come here because they don't have a choir. I was like, we barely have enough musical ability here to have special music once a year. Although I heard somebody's holding out on us in that respect. Not to mention names, but the initials are KC. No, (laughs) it's oversold. (laughs) But... uh, yeah, it's yeah, certainly not advertised. So we have um, to know our enemy, and the enemy's coming in and enveloping us, and, and it, it's listed here. We, we, we think of the traditional things of when we have the opposition of the world and the media, um, in the sciences, we have the evolutionary models and, and the attack that, that happens on our faith from the science end. We're going to deal with that as well over the course of Jude. We're going to deal with the the doctrinal issues and and the church has pretty well focused itself there traditionally uh, in the 50s, uh, 40s and 50s. There's big doctrinal wars going on in Christian circles that have been forgotten. And if you want to go back even farther in church history, there was huge, bloody and physically bloody battles over your Bible to get you a Bible in your language. People were slaughtered for this. They were arrested. They were tortured. Tell us where you got this Bible. I mean, tortured like fingers being pulled off their hands until they revealed where they got their Bibles. Things like that. And that wasn't the world. That was the church doing that to their people. So we've had so if you go back historically, you can see that this warfare is anything new. What is perhaps more disconcerting is that there is no interest in engaging it anymore. We have become what Hebrews said, sluggish. we become lazy. We are basically put our weapons down and fell asleep on duty. And so I want to rouse us a little bit. And we did this a few weeks ago. We talked about, I had the board up here, remember? I wrote down the places where we were getting those who are sneaking in. Uh, Well, here he says, you need to be rooted, built up in him, established in the faith, as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And I'm not going to diminish any of those words. We need all of them. But then, beware. Now, what does beware mean? Yeah, what's the etymology of the word? Be aware. We just shrunk it to beware. Be aware. Be alert. Be on the lookout. There are people that want to cheat you. They want to take you captive of your faith. They want to shipwreck you. Are they going to walk up to you and say, I'm going to get you? Not usually. Sometimes they will. Some, I remember um, my friend in the Mormon community says, it's okay if you don't want to listen to you, we'll get your kids. And he put his house up for sale. Okay, that was because he just—they just told him outright. It's okay if you don't follow us. We'll get your kids. Because it's a Mormon town. So sometimes they will tell you, but generally they won't. They are deceivers. They're gonna sneak in angels of light. Um, everything's wonderful. Um, don't you think you should feel good about yourself? Shouldn't you leave church feeling good about yourself? Well, I'd rather leave church feeling really good about my God and about what he's offering me and things like that rather than feeling good about me. I really want to work on me because I know i got a long ways to go. I want to keep being challenged. I don't want to be put to sleep. Uh, And you do realize the things that put you to sleep are enjoyable. Food. Warmth. What else puts you to sleep? Soft music, soft lights. So anything harsh, pointy, like goads, they don't let you sleep. Aren't you glad Jesus wouldn't let Saul of Tarsus sleep? He could have stayed in his error, and Jesus wouldn't let him. He says, aren't you tired of kicking against the goads? I won't let you rest. But the world wants you to fall asleep. Not be on alert. Not be on guard. So, that's the enemy. And uh, my problem that I'm having is I find a lot of people... How do I want to say this? They're very alert to one category and asleep at all the rest. So, and we don't recognize the systemicness of the opposition. That is, there's something wrong with... They aren't just going to attack Christianity in one facet of what they're doing. Okay, Uh, Scientism doesn't just attack Christianity at evolution of the Genesis account. It's much broader than that. Um, When we look at uh, morality, they aren't... You know, at this point, I don't know how you. I don't even know how we got this far. Um, (laughs) We lost the moral engagement a long time ago, as a church, on moral issues, and uh, and that happened when we got soft on divorce. Frankly. Now it happened in the 70s, largely. 70s and 80s. We really got started softening our position on divorce. We allowed divorce men in the pastorate. Um, even within our fellowship, I remember at charity, I was appalled to find out here's a man we had brought in to uh, speak to us out of a counseling, I should have told you something, counseling ministry out of Arizona. He was recommended to me by all the Arizona regular Baptist pastors. Recommended this guy. I brought him in, had him fill the pulpit, do his thing. I talked with him and here he was divorced and remarried. On second marriage, it's like, oh. what are we doing? Okay. And so we start getting soft in certain areas, and there's just, they're, once you start pulling out those rungs of the ladder, you just go, Blood. it doesn't take long to fall and start breaking a whole lot of them. You know, and people are all, How did we get to homosexuality being legal, and now all the the uh, transsexual stuff going on? How did we get there? It didn't happen overnight, but it happened because we wanted to get soft in some areas that we weren't comfortable with, because it was becoming so prevalent in our society. We had to make room for it in the church, and so we have these things inundating us. And we might say, "Well, we're way too far down the road." On the large scale, I would probably agree with you. But I'm not dealing with the large scale. I'm dealing with Desert Hills Baptist Church scale. I'm dealing with your family scale. I'm dealing with your scale. All right, You're my battalion. I have responsibility over. So we're going to fight the fight, even if the rest of the army ran and hid or fell asleep. That's what I want. I hope that's what you want. Let's fight the fight. And that means that we are going to have to engage these things instead of just pretending they don't exist and uh, hiding from them. And so uh, there's some of the, so, so what I want to basically tell you is that the world system is there and we need to challenge the entire system and not, and not just say, well, here, and very narrow attacks on, well, we're going to fight this, this is where they challenge the Bible no greed is not the challenge the only challenge to the bible in our economic outlook of capitalism it is systemic the entire concept of capitalism is antagonistic to biblical values and biblical morals now what we lump in to call capitalism are some biblical principles like personal responsibility, private property rights, things like that. And that's not capitalism, but we have lumped it into that category. And so when we look at the world system, we say, well, we can can take this and bring it in. You need to recognize, you need to challenge everything the world system is confronting you with because the basic principles of this world are driving all of them. Democracy. Biblical? Sure it is. There's biblical examples of democracy. Where is it? Let's vote. Should we go into the promised land or not? You remember that vote? How'd it go? Can 10 out of 12 people be wrong? Almost always. Always. Okay, and so there are lots of things we have perched, bought into, and I've had pastors that when I challenge them on, can you tell me the, I mean, the, the U.S. Constitution is right up there, just right below the Bible. <laughs> as the most precious document on the planet, you know, and, and founded on the Magna Carta, and, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, and I start challenging them on, they, they act like I'm a heretic. When we start to swallow some of the world system. We need to recognize that we are opening a conduit for the poison of the basic principles of this world. And God calls us to something radically different than that. And so we want to have a battle plan. So I've left you about 15 to 17 minutes to lay this out. How do we engage these? We can't do it on the large, I'm not Challenging you to go out there and run for office, and and because that's not the solution, right? We're not here to legislate morality. The moral majority tried that; and they failed because it can't be done. It shouldn't be done. It's not by running for office. It's not by um, leg- creating legislation. We don't need more laws. We have so many laws; it's ridiculous. When I read the law they passed in this state, do you know? Did you read the law that they passed in this state? You got you two back there in the back row. It's real important to you, right? Did you know the law that's now the law of the state? You're not allowed to reveal or humiliate a child by them by exposing that their parents haven't paid their lunch bill. That's a law in this country now. In this state, we had to make that a law. You're not allowed. In this you will be arrested in this state if you reveal that a child's parents are not paying their lunch bill at school. They all get free lunch. The same thing over in this whole in this whole quadrant. So we don't need more laws. We're getting to the thing of legislating every single socially correct thing. Um, so what is our what is our how do we fight the fight? All right, you're going to have to be willing to do something the world is deeply afraid of, and that is having significant conversations with people of substance. More than just the weather, sports, although sports is becoming so full of it too that you can almost get there very quickly through sports. What do you think about? um, You have to be willing to have significant conversations to get past surface level niceties, even things that are contentious by the world standards. You can't talk about that. Because whatever we, anyone believes is true is good for them. You have to be willing to engage in significant conversation with people. Good. What else? You have to be lights in the dark, right? you got to live it. Which means you got to live for Christ. What's what's the world going to call you? They're going to look at you and say, <laughs> Come on, give me some ideas. Bible thumper is an old term, yeah. Jesus freaks. They don't care. They don't care. You called you an animal? (laughs) Narrow-minded. Bigots. Misogynists. Just try engaging someone about how a wife should submit to her husband. Just try. Role of women in the church. sexist, you know, you're all these things. They're going to apply all those titles, intolerant, which is pretty laughable if they knew anything of the history of our faith movement. Do you guys know the history of the Baptist faith movement? We were the intolerated. We were the ones being slaughtered by Catholics and reformers alike, and our whole thing is You have individual soul liberty. That is a Baptist doctrine that was introduced to this country by Baptists. It was not in the Church of England. It was not in the Episcopalian backdrop of most of our early church fathers. That was a pure Baptist doctrine that was brought in by Baptists. Individual soul liberty. You believe what you choose to believe. You must choose to believe what you must choose to believe. But God will judge you on your beliefs, not us. And now we're the bigots. We're the intolerant ones when we were the tolerant. So you're going to have those kinds of things you have to encounter. Good. Yes. Ignorant. Ignorant. Oh, yes. Why are you ignorant? You don't know science. You've been brainwashed. Do you realize that you are not allowed in most public sectors to just engage in challenging certain scientific truths? Just trying to engage it, just asking questions about it will get you called ignorant and other things. So that's what you're up against. So... You're going to have to, how are you going to respond? Well, first of all, you have to take it. You have to take it. And let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Yes. You turn out, you keep giving them the truth, and you take it, and you take the abuse, and you take the abuse, so you don't. Stick your lip out and start quivering and start. (laughs) Suck it up. That's what it means when it says you know tribulation is going to happen. You know persecution is there. You're going to have joy in it. It means that you're going to be slapped around a little bit and not take it personal. Because it's not against you that they have a problem. It's against your Savior. It's against the truth that they are warring. Not you. So you don't take it personally. And so I just kind of look at them and I smile and I try to engage them a little bit from a different angle and I try to just find, I usually try to approach people from lots of different perspectives and conversations and discussions and trying to find an entry point of something they haven't thought about or something that they, that will just boing open their eyes. And Sometimes that takes some time. You're gonna to have to understand their thinking a little bit, but um... correct. That's what it means to take it. You're not gonna to try to. You're a stupid head. You know. You know, calling them a version of what they called you isn't really a solution. It's not fighting the fight. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, you've lost. Okay, so what is your, what is our tactic? What is our? We're gonna pray for them. We're gonna love them. All right. I think part of being aware is being educated, and that means that I don't take what the world channels at me at face value ever. Uh, I don't care who it comes from. If it's from the world's perspective, I challenge it. All right? I have had Americanism, scientism, all this stuff pushed on me since I was a child. Trust me, I'm a child of the 60s and 70s. We got it. That's where it all started. All right. And so we get this stuff inundating us, and you just cannot take it for face value. I don't take any book I pick up. And trust the Rothbard. I don't care how Christian they are. That's called discerning, that we apply discernment. You've got to educate yourself of what's out there. And you cannot be ignorant of Satan's ways. That's part of being asleep. So, um, we have a whole organization called Answers in Genesis. What is their battle that they've chosen to fight? Evolution, creation, creation, and they built the creation museum, and now they built the uh, Noah's Ark out there amusement park. Uh, <laughs> no principles of the world there, but <laughs> <laughs> so we built amusement parks to attract people, and from what I can tell, most people who go through there are all believers, of uh, one stripe or another. But when we, um, so that's their thing, science has misspoken origins. All right? So, is everything else science give us accurate except for that? No. What is the entire objective of modern science? Go and talk to scientists. What you will find is that uh outside of Christian scientists, I'm not saying there aren't some of those. Hopefully there are a lot of those. And I had this conversation with Scott just a few weeks ago. He says, how can I be a science major? It's, it's all against God. I was like, because we need champions who know that side to be able to engage it, who are committed to Christ's side. You have to have those kinds of knights You have to have those K-N-I-T-G-H-T those kinds of warriors that will fully educate them and we trust those kind of men to bring us and women to bring us that knowledge of here's what they say and um, you need to challenge it. It's not in keeping of scripture. Here's the facts they're using and here's how they're interpreting and we don't challenge the facts, we challenge the interpretations because the interpretations all are designed singularly to discredit God, to from the whole psyche of humankind. All science is that purpose. All of it. So the medical sciences, from the stuff that they're doing at Sandia Labs, uh, military sciences, earth sciences, they're all there to do that. Genetic scientists. Why do you think there's such a big deal over GMOs and all the other things they're doing to your food? Okay, we're trying to play God. And there's been, back when I was a preteen and early teen, the big deal was is this ethical? Now we don't even hear about the ethics of a lot of science activity that is very unethical. You know, is it right to do gene manipulation with your children before they're born? Um, What is it when you take a cell and you replicate? um, Cloning. cloning. I remember when cloning was first introduced and it was a huge thing we engaged in in the church. That this is absolutely wrong. That we don't go in and mess with those things on that level. um, That there's no benefit and it'll only cause damage. Because it's unethical. All of scientism's objective has been to do one thing, and that is to extract the punishment. First of all, they don't like the punishment for sin, and so they're trying to avoid it, and they don't like the God who gave the punishment for that sin. Do you understand that? What was the punishment for sin? Work. Work, Death. Weeds. And not work, not not that you had a job, but labor. Labor. What is the point of most of science to get rid of labor, sickness, death, and weeds? (laughs) They failed miserably at weeds, judging by my backyard. Pain, get rid of pain. All the things that God says, this is to remind you you're sinners. And what is science wanted to do? Take all that away. Painless, effortless. So we want to, does that mean I don't want to ever use anything scientific? Well, we have a sound system here that requires electronic gizmos, and so obviously we're using some of the results of science, and that goes all the way back to Genesis as well. If you look at who was pres- who, who, made some of the first developments, was not the line of Seth, it was the line of Cain, who gave us metallurgy, tents, and musical instruments? Look at it in Genesis. Where do advancements like that come from? It's always the line of Cain, it's the world. So we are very careful about what we do, and that's why we need to be very careful about your use of the internet. Cell phones. Why am I rail against your iGods, iPods? Because I'm trying to keep you alert. That these things are dangerous because they're from the world. And we need to be careful in how we use those. I want to just share with you, when I was a young person, um, we weren't supposed to, we were in our covenant of our church, we would never attend a movie theater. I've kept that all my life. I think my entire life I've gone to three movie theaters. One was for China Cry, and one was for... My dad took me somewhere, and my friends took me somewhere in college. And I was like, I'm not doing this again. Because they warned you about Hollywood. When I was a young person, that was the thing. You cannot be involved in that. Because Hollywood is antithesis to Christ. We're inundated with it, and we're not at war with it. We're not even going to get into some of the things. Okay, what other aspects do we need to be engaged in? And that was all, because we can't be ignorant. we got to be educated. And we have to be alert to the dangers that are inherent in them. And sometimes that takes some looking, because the world will always present itself as, this is the newest, best thing that's going to really help you. What else? As soldiers engaged... Ah, thank you. I was worried about you guys there for a little while. All right. Do you notice what the plan of action in Colossians was? Think about what you've been taught from God's word. And what does it say? Abound in it and be thankful. Fundamentally, the world, the basic principles of this world is to not be content with your place in God's world. The fundamental basic principle is do not be satisfied with where you are in Christ or with God if you're unregenerate. Do not be thankful. So it says immerse yourself, abound in what you've been taught that establishes your faith, roots your faith, builds your your faith, faith, and helps you walk in your faith. You need to saturate yourself with that, which means that we need to stop doing so much studying of the world that we don't know anything about Christ. And how our family should function, how our speech should be, how, um, you know, I, there's just, I, there are so many aspects of living that need to be addressed that I hesitate to even use samples every aspect needs to be immersed in Christ. And you have to take be careful with them all and realize that you are getting inundated with error in these categories and you're being, the goal is to take you captive, to do what they want you to do instead of what Christ wants you to do, to make you a prisoner of war. So they're going to use philosophies. they're going to just plain trick you and they're going to even glory in it. They're going to have the traditions of men, and they're going to have the basic principles of the world. And none of these are according to Christ. So you got to be immersed in Christ and be wary of what's coming down the pike, and don't just take it. Okay, I'm at the point right now that I pretty much would tell every family in our church, you have no business putting your kid in a public school. Yeah, I did put my kids in public school for a little while. But when I see what it has become, I wouldn't put a child I had today in public school. Never, ever, 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 ever. I wouldn't do it. Do I accept everything medicine tells me? No, because they keep telling us different things, don't they? You ever notice how medical advice changes? That's because some drug company needs more money. (laughs) So they... New research. So immerse yourself in Christ. That's why we have all these times of in God's Word and with each other, and just to know what does the Bible say. And I try to do that with our young people, our teens, and and uh, and there's no I I just why have I failed? because they're not immersed in what the Bible's teaching, they're immersed in what the world has, because that's all they have access to, by and large. The only time they're accessing what the Bible says is on Wednesday night when they're sitting with me in a room, and that's for about 40 minutes. And I throw out some really challenging things. Just, I just try to blow them completely out of the water so that they just, just to shake them to their core. You know, the earth isn't millions of years old. It's about 6,000. Okay. Immerse yourself in Christ. Fight the fight. Be alert, which means you got to know what the enemy's tactics are, what their weaknesses are. And the weakness of the enemy is the truth. They can't tolerate it. They can't handle it. And that's why... Um, you notice what the big thing now is if you're a conservative what are you always accused of now what do you have you have fake facts isn't that what they call fake news or no it's, it's something facts Alternative. yeah you have yeah basically you don't have true facts and um, that's what they're that's what they're having run down to because they the facts don't agree with them. The facts are is that there are boys and there are girls. Did you know that's a fact? If you're a human, you're either a boy or a girl. That's a fact. God created a male and female. I'm sorry, you had to do that. It just goes to, you gotta fight the fight, you gotta be a light in a dark place. And sometimes I just laughing at people say, You're a girl. Just because you cut your hair and put on boys' clothes doesn't make you a boy. And talk like this. I've heard someone say, Oh well, it's natural because, because all, animals all animals do that. Correct. And that's what she's saying. We're not animals. So I just wanted to challenge you to contend earnestly for the faith is not putting your head in the ground. And by the way, when you do that, there's another part of your anatomy that's sticking up, ready to be shot off. Um, You don't just stick your head in the ground and hope it all blows through because that's not being a a good soldier. Got to know what the war is and why it is. And why it's necessary to engage it? It is necessary to engage these things, and not just concede, concede, concede. We, we are not in a, a, a what's it called, a, a strategic surrender or strategic retreat. We are not in that. You know, hopefully we'll still have a, a little corner of the of our thing when Christ comes. You know, we we'll just keep surrendering a little bit of space. No, I'm telling you, take it, go after it, and that might mean taking some radical steps and. My wife this uh, week was reading a little storyline out of the fifth, Made in the 50s. You know what they said about American young people in the 50s? In the 50s, this assessment was, this isn't a Christian place and we need missionaries to these kids. That was before I was born. That was their assessment of society. And that was the 50s. That was before the, the crazy 60s and all the drugs and sex. So that was the 50s. That was their assessment. Post-war has been horrible. <laughs> yeah. They were talking about American young people, though, and they're, that they're a mission field. Christian entity. Yeah, here we are. Or England is this or whatever. It's never been like that. The world's always been like that. No. Yeah. That's one of the lies that put us to sleep. You're an American, you're Christian. That was a lie that put us all to sleep. Contend earnestly for the faith. (laughs) (laughs) That's the origination of it. All right, let's have a prayer. I just want to get you active, and we'll we'll probably come back to this over the course of Jude, because we're going to be dealing with specific things through there. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you for uh, warning us and reminding us and that we are up against an enemy, that we have a job to represent you, the light, to the world, that we know that they uh, need it desperately but don't want it. So give us courage to be different, and not just in a stubborn way of being ornery, but of truly, in a loving manner, trying to direct them to you by showing them the difference Christ makes and what real righteousness looks like. And Lord, we know that too many churches are inundated with the basic principles of this world and think that they are of you. And we know that they are not. So Lord, we pray for our brethren in those churches that are truly prisoners of this war, captive to the philosophies of this world. And Lord, we pray that you might bring revival, and repentance there, that they might hear your truth and, that they might discover the liberty of that. And Lord, we um, pray that you might find us diligent, earnest in our uh, stand, in our contending for the faith. Lord, we ultimately don't trust our ability to do that, and so we thank you for all that you've given us and you've promised to do in us to enable us to glorify your name in this wicked and perverse place and time. In Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen.